You are listening to I Doubt It with me, your host, Jesse Dolliman, a podcast dedicated to free-thinking discussion, ideas, skepticism, but most importantly, a good time. everybody rolling rolling right along episode 15 episode 15 i am jesse dollimore this as you were previously told is i doubt it across from me looking quite lovely and smart if you can look smart is Brittany page hello and we are bringing you your twice weekly dose of sanity Trying to come up with some clever little thing that's just not not working out. <laughs> it's not. So uh, the the housekeeping that we always bore you with, iTunes, please help us out, and the phone number six five seven four six four seventy six zero nine. Once again, slower for those of you who hear less fast. Six five seven four six four. 7609. We should probably talk about how to rate and review just really quick. Yeah. In case people think we're asking too much of them because it takes a lot of time. Some daunting task. If you're listening from the podcast app, you can write one right now. That's if you're an iPhone user. If you're an iPhone user, you have the podcast app, you can write one right now. You can go. That's right. You can search for the podcast, you can find it, and you can go and write a review. You can rate it and write a review right from the app. It's actually, if you have us, if you're already subscribed, you you have to actually go to the search, search for the podcast, click on the podcast. There'll be a little middle uh, tab that it's reviews. And right when you click that, there's a blue link that says write a review right now. And if you're on iTunes, it's as easy as clicking on the the reviews tab and write a review they make it super easy yeah so you have no fucking excuse <laughs> for not helping your guy out perfect <laughs> so once again phone number 657-464-7609 there's no way to look that up so if you're searching through your phone book no need in fact <laughs> if you're searching through through a phone book what the hell are you doing what is this 1980 why are they still printing phone books? Well, they still deliver them all the time. Constantly. It's... Well, not constantly, but... Listen, one a year, and it's more than that. We get one... There's one that seems to be on my doorstep three times a year. Yeah, it seems like every three months. The convenient thing about it is, is my trash can is at the bottom of the stairs mm. right over by where my car is parked. So it works out really well. It's it's right on the right on the way. No... No, uh, no harm, no foul. Indeed. You know, it's an odd. I, I think that that is one of those jobs that's uh, one. You're the best salesmen on the planet are probably yellow page ad salesmen. Yeah. Because that's who the hell's buying ad space for a phone book anymore? Well, you see them, and they keep just getting smaller and smaller and smaller. <laughs> the size of the phone book. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Well, it's 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 got it's one of those jobs that, you know, a lot of jobs they end abruptly. Well, for, for instance, MySpace. The guys who worked at MySpace, 
they couldn't look off in the distance and see the demise of the company. They had the, the, the world by the tail, and they were on top of the world. They were Jack in, in uh, Titanic. Titanic. Yeah, Titanic. I'm the king of the world. They, they had no idea that from one day to the next, they were going to be unemployed because in a mass exodus, everyone stopped using MySpace. The, the Yellow Page salesmen... They see the end of the tunnel. They see the light at the end of the tunnel or the darkness. They know their time is coming to an end. It's like at the turn of the 18th century, about 1901, the guy who was the, the top-selling horse-drawn buggy salesman, he, he kind of he knew his number was, was coming. He, he saw the car, and if he was smart, he put two and two together and realized his, his days were, were numbered. <laughs> yeah, I wonder I wonder how long this yellow pages thing is going to go on. I don't know. Are you talking about the bit? The <laughs> this particular conversation or the 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 phone books being sold or or yeah, given away? <laughs> probably both. I think that's Brittany being passive aggressive. <laughs> so just being me is what you're saying. Right, right. Well, Moving on to a, an odd news story. At first, I thought it was kind of a controversy. A controversy. Oh, you were, you were raring to, to shit on me right there. Yeah, I saw I it. <laughs> um, the origin of the chili pepper. And when I first read the article, I thought that um, there was like two camps of science. And some people thought that it started here and then... I don't know why I'm explaining it in such depth because I was wrong. Well, and no one cares what you have to say. <laughs> so, hey, I care. That's someone. At least one person cares. Just so everyone knows, I'm reading an article and I don't really talk like this. The land that gave us burritos, chorizo, and tacos was also the birthplace of one of the most important ingredients in the pantry, say academics. It was where the humble chili was first grown. While many culinary experts reckon the world's most used spice was first crushed or chopped up in about 7500 BC. Wow, that's a long time ago. In South America, to give dinner a flavorsome kick, a new study has pinpointed its origin to Mexico. First, I want to I want to comment on the wonderful journalistic style and boldness it, they must be Australian or something, or a dirty hick from the South, because who uses the word reckon? I reckon down in, here in these parts. In their normal journalistic prose. Experts reckon the flight MH370 landed somewhere west of Australia. No no one says reckon. That's not, not what you do. That doesn't happen. But it's it's interesting that there's even money or research energy is being poured in to find out where the ch chili originated. That's an odd... Yeah, it's kind of interesting. They say uh, scientists used genetic and archaeological data as well as linguistic and ecological evidence to make their conclusion. Yeah. I'm, I'm a fan. I'm actually a, a big proponent of the chili pepper. I, uh, I'm a, I like to cook, and I love spicy food. Yeah, I know that about you. Super freakishly spicy food lots of what are those peppers called the habanero yeah habanero mm -hmm. lots of habaneros just in everything yeah it's what you like on my hot dogs yeah 
Yeah. I get a little sliver. I bite into a little sliver, and then I need to chew on ice for the rest of the night. You know, it's a bummer. I have had I have been in multiple situations with with uh, people who have adverse reactions to to spicy stuff. Uh, in fact, one of a very funny story. Friend of the show, Brett McAfee, and I were out eating Chinese food at one of those really shitty Chinese buffets. Yum. And yeah, well, a Chinese buffet, so half of a yum. Yeah. And we go through the line and we get our fixins, get our pick of the sweet and sour chicken. The lovely. I don't, I'm not a real fan of the sweet and sour chicken, but nobody is. Brett gets his, you know, pile o egg rolls. And a bowl of a yellowish substance. And we get to the table. And Brett commences to take his egg roll in hand. And he slathers it in this bowl, the substance. Which was clear to me what it was. And I look at him. I go, hey, what are are you doing, dude? He goes, no, no. I love this stuff. I'm thinking, oh, shit. Right on. Clearly, it's hot mustard. It's clearly hot mustard that he's overdoing it because he had a bowl like if you ever gone through the continental breakfast line at a holiday Inn express you know the little cereal bowls they give you it's like that that he was half full of chinese hot mustard he grabs slathers his egg roll in it and goes to eat it and i stop him oh god hey man um what are you what are you doing oh no it's i love this Mm. takes a bite and loses his mind. He was ruined for an hour. Oh, I, I don't even know that he really finished. I, I know he didn't enjoy the rest of his meal. I don't even know that he really finished eating. How it, could you? It, he, it, was, it was a sight to behold. And I laughed my sick ass off for about as long as he was in pain. Because hot mustard is that thing where it's like wasabi. It gets in your senses. Oh, yeah. It hits your you head in your crawls. nose. Yeah, and it's just, that's not just, oh, my mouth is hurting. No, yeah, well, it, well, the burn lasts for two seconds. Yeah. It's the after effect of the fumes that really get me. Yeah. But he thought, because Brett wasn't really blessed with the largest, most well-functioning brain, apparently. <laughs> Sorry, Brett. Ouch. Uh, he thought it was honey mustard. Mm, at a Chinese right. restaurant. That was exactly what I said. What the hell would there be a giant vat of honey mustard at the Chinese restaurant? Even at the most Americanized Chinese restaurant, Panda Express, <laughs> they don't have honey mustard. Uh, hey, do you have any honey mustard? Uh, oh, no. No honey mustard. Yeah. Can I get a side of honey <laughs> mustard with my orange chicken? Oh, uh, Lily? <laughs> Not the way it goes, Brett. Sorry. And I've had all kinds of buddies who want to have, who say, oh, yeah, I can, I love the spice. I can handle the spice. We'll go get wings or something. And, okay, well, let's, it, you know, it's dude talk, so it ends up being a competition. And Idiots. many, many a friend have fallen and fallen victim to my freakish ability to, to, maintain, to withstand crazy hot stuff yeah yeah we get it so i also had a similar experience with my mom who we were at sushi and i don't know if it was her first time at sushi it was my first time at sushi and our the sushi we ate was california rolls so i don't i don't know if you can even call it sushi but they give they gave us the wasabi and ginger like they always hand you 
and my mom thought it was avocado. Wow. This this weird moldy looking avocado it doesn't even look like avocado yeah and she just picks it up and puts the whole thing in her mouth thinking it's avocado and then it caused a scene because the guys watched her do it the sushi chefs and they oh what are you doing and then they were freaking (laughs) out and trying to help her trying to get her water and i don't really remember because it was obviously traumatic so she's all right though she lived (laughs) well she lived that's that's a. I often get the crook eye from sushi sushi chefs. That's a tough one. Sushi chefs who look over the glass case of fish and see me mixing my pudding soy sauce wasabi concoction. Yeah, well, there's a lot of judgment coming this way. You've had judgment from a variety of ethnicities. Wow. I mean, related to spicy food. <laughs> When we it's were at out the, all right. when we were at the Indian restaurant, and oh, yeah. whenever they say what that guy was a dick, what spicy level do you want? And Jesse always says, "I want the spiciest, whatever the spiciest, and make it extra, extra spicy." Well, in this case, it's a place down in Belmont Shores in Long Beach, and I love the place. We love it. It's a family-owned. It's a great place. And the guy, I, I'm or- ordering lamb biryani, and then they always ask you. What level is spicy? Zero to one, zero to ten. I always say ten. And I and he goes, "Oh, you sure? Oh, very." I can't. Now I'm, I'm already. I'm back know, in my, stop with my that Asian thing. He well, I wanted to express that the guy's not an Americanized Indian. He's he's not. He's he's wearing a turban. He's definitely Sikh guy. Yeah. And he says, "Are you sure?" Because and he doesn't have wacky morning zoo DJ voice. Are you sure? Because. The ten is very spicy. I go, no, it's good. I, I've already, I've had it before, and I really like it spicy. He goes, okay, okay. Well, I think he tried to talk me out of it again, but comes back, gives me the food. I eat it. It's clear that he amped it up because it's even hotter than the ten that I've had before. He comes over to the table in his secret smarmy little way, and he says, oh, how is it? And I'm like, yeah, this is awesome because it's even better. I liked it super spicy. And like, yeah, this is great. He goes, oh, you see, I didn't. I only did regular spicy, not ten. I didn't do extra spicy. Clearly, he's lying and trying to pull one over on me. But I'm a wily American, and I don't get fooled by that shit. <laughs> well, I was thinking of a different instance, but yeah, that's pretty much which time at another Indian place where. They oh. were arguing with you and not wanting to give you spicy food. And then when they finally agreed to do it, they were all watching from the kitchen yeah. to see how you reacted. And it wasn't even spicy. I ate it. And they were and, acting like it was terrible. Yeah. In the He really tried to talk to me. This happens all the time. It's such a bummer. It's even, where is it where, oh, it's the, the, the shrimp boil place that we go. And you ask, it's on the menu. This has even happened to me at wing places like Buffalo Wild Wings. Where you ask for the hottest flavor, and they are you sure? Are you? They're, they're trying to talk you out of it. Don't put it on your menu if you're not willing and ready to, to offer it up. But in that instance, it was funny because the Indian place they had like the swinging door back to the kitchen yeah. with like the 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 ship porthole. Yeah, through exactly little little circular window, and they're both peeking out trying to see me eat it like they're gonna come out and ha 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 and it 
was not spicy at all. Yeah, it wasn't at all. So that's fail. But you know, I've also there's also the people, and I'm sure everybody's seen, who sweat profusely. Oh yeah. Like you expect emergency response to be called and have them rush in and try to deal with the medical emergency because they're sweating like Yeah, that's odd to me. It's embarrassing. It's kind of strange. It's almost as embarrassing as in a restaurant when you see people who are sitting in a booth together, a couple, and they're sitting on the same goddamn side of the booth. Oh, same side in it. Ugh. What is, what is that? I, well, maybe people that are listening do same side it. Don't say, listen, if you're, no, no, no. But they could call and explain no. why they like to same side it. All right, you call and explain, but you need to know right now, you need to stop that shit. That's weird. <laughs> Because every time we walk into a restaurant, we judge you and we say, oh, look, at, look at them over there. They're same side in it. It's 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 not even comfortable. Why would someone it, when you and I go out to, to, to dinner or to lunch or to breakfast or to a meal at a restaurant? I guess I could sum it up that way. Yeah, please do. <laughs> Cut to the goddamn chase. If we were to sit in a booth and sit on the same side as one another. How do I talk to you? I have to cr- look over over and crane my... Away from your food. It doesn't make any sense. It, logistically, it's not sound. <laughs> it's, yes. But, but it's also akin to those couples that you see, and I remember this from high school, you'd have a guy with a bench seat in his truck, and you're driving behind them, and his girlfriend's right next to him in the truck. There's a whole bench there, and... She is sidled right up next to him. Yeah. Not comfortable. No. Listen, hold hands across the seat. You don't have to be on his goddamn lap while he's driving and vice versa. Yeah. Everybody needs their personal space. What's what's the what's the proclivity there? Is are they trying to prove that they're super close or like I don't know. like a dude's gonna run up and Start making out with your girlfriend if she's sitting across the table with you because he's not sure that you guys are together? I don't know. Uh, we should give all same-siders a personality test and see what's wrong with them. I, some research should be done. Yes. Because this it's destroying America. Mm, <laughs> Obama. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Barry Obama. The, the rate with which people same side it has just gone up exponentially it has. since Obama. It has skyrocketed. Tisk tisk. Food stamp enrollment and same ciders. Ruining America. Terrible. They should be embarrassed. Speaking of other things that are ruining America. Yeah. Ruining America. This is a good topic, ruining America. We could probably go endlessly with things that are ruining America. I think there's probably a lot of people who think this show mm. is ruining America. Yeah, that's probably true. Sorry, everybody. But this is a topic that is uh, it's a hot one right now, that uh, lawsuit in New Jersey I think you're talking about. Yeah, a family is suing the Matawan Aberdeen Regional School District. Sounds good to me. And if you're in the Matawan Aberdeen area... We don't care enough about your town to commit it to memory how to say it. If um, I could, one, learn how to read, and two, only have articles that have easy words to read, that would be really great. Well, it's a, it's an Indian-based name. Okay, that's fine. It's in Freehold, New Jersey. I don't know why they couldn't just choose a name of the right. school district that is Perfect. Freehold, all right? <laughs> 
Perfect. So they are a family is suing, seeking to have the phrase under God removed from the Pledge of Allegiance that students recite every day. They're still doing that, huh? They are. They hmm. are. A lawsuit filed in Superior Court in Monmouth County on behalf of the family. I do know how to say that one. That's Monmouth. Monmouth? Monmouth. A lawsuit filed in Superior Court in Monmouth. <laughs> F you, Monmouth. <laughs> that was perfect. A lawsuit filed in Superior Court in Monmouth. <laughs> All right, continue. A lawsuit filed in Superior Court in New Jersey on behalf of the family who wish to remain unidentified and the American Humanist Association claims that the practice of acknowledging God in the Pledge of Allegiance discriminates against atheists in violation of the New Jersey Constitution. But the school's district attorney says the district is simply following a state law that requires pupils to recite the pledge daily. Quote, if the group who's brought this lawsuit questions the wisdom of that policy or the legality of it, we believe their arguments are much better directed to the state legislature who's imposed this requirement upon us, rather than suing an individual school district on this matter. Well, that lawyer's being a dick because that's how you get a, a you have to have standing in a court. So that's how you get something started to where it will rise the ranks of the court system to get to the Supreme Court. So he's being disingenuous, acting like he doesn't know. Yeah. So the lawsuit alleges that the daily recitation of the pledge in the school district, quote, publicly disparages plaintiffs' religious beliefs, calls plaintiffs' patriotism into question, portrays plaintiffs as outsiders and second-class citizens, and forces the child to choose between non-participation in a patriotic exercise or participation in a patriotic exercise that is invidious to him and his religious class. Hmm. Yeah, I would agree with all that. Um, and here's this is another in, here's another instance that we're talking about on the show of the American Humanist Association. Yeah, which the first time we talked about them, I think, was on the first episode where we talked about. The, the roadside memorial. The makeshift roadside memorials. And I think they were wrong in that case. But I think they're right in this case. And it, we should talk a little bit about the history of the Pledge of Allegiance. That it hasn't always been... Um, it didn't always say uh, in God. In fact, now it's probably been about half the time that it's been God. But in 1892, it was written by... Uh, Francis Bellamy, who was a Baptist minister. And the original, the original pledge read, I pledge allegiance to my flag and the republic for which it stands, one nation, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. No God. And actually, not even uh, America. Just, I pledge allegiance to my flag. So all of this fervor is... I think trumped up. Well, it's interesting because this article also kind of talks about the history and it says the language under God was added to the pledge at the height of the McCarthy era and the red scare after strong lobbying by religious groups at a time when many felt it would help distinguish America from the communist Soviet union. Right. 
The Soviet Union fell in 1991, and the need, if there ever was any, to distinguish America in this matter from communist adversaries no longer exists. Well, they, th what they don't mention is that in 1923, uh, the National Flag Conference called for the words, the, uh, for the words my flag to be changed to the flag of the United States because they were afraid that with the influx of all, th all these dirty immigrants— they didn't want them to make a mistake about which flag they were pledging allegiance. So in 1923, it was changed to, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Which Sounds great. Yeah, it sounds great. And it wasn't until 1952 that some religious nutter lady requested that we add god to it and then in 1954 it was actually adopted to be i pledge allegiance to the flag of the united states of america god so as evidence that this wasn't always the case i've got a clip here from 1954 porky. no i'm sorry it's pre-1954 porky the pig porky the pig is he the pig or is he just porky it's pig? porky pig i'm sorry i don't know what i was doing i was trying to make it sound more Donald official the duck yeah bugs the bunny porky pig it's kermit the frog p -p 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 -pork porky pig was that good <laughs> at least so, i tried i'm gonna play this clip and this is really just evidence to the fact that prior to 1954 that is not what they said. Evidence. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands. One nation, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. So there you have it. Porky the p -p 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 pig. Man, I can't do that. I can do it better than you. No, I did it really good. No. Perfect, I, am, I would say. I'm sorry. But it's uh, it's what it is. It's it's an odd thing that really lends itself, I believe, you know, toward toward children. And here we are. Yeah, with, which is a weird it is a weird thing because the entire presence of the pledge from from inception to now is about children even bellamy even bellamy wrote this because the first time this was even published was in some children's um children's magazine called the youth Compa uh, the youth's companion so it's been marketed toward children the entire time and it's clear now that because I, I don't say the pledge yeah even when you go to a, a sporting event, you go to a Laker game, you go to a, a Ducks game, you, a, a Kings, whatever, your, 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 your individual sporting event, you, you have somebody in the middle of the field singing the, the national anthem, but you don't say the Pledge of Allegiance. It's for kids, and it's clearly for, I don't want to say indoctrination, but... Kind of, though. Reminding them patriotism, nationalism, which I don't... I know a lot of... A lot of hardcore liberal weirdos think nationalism is a negative thing and i don't necessarily agree with that i think it, it's good to be proud of where you're from and proud of your country and making it a better place 
Yeah, the lawsuit maintains that the daily affirmation of God in public schools reinforces a prejudice against atheists and humanists. The suit claims that studies show atheists are the most disliked and distrusted minority group in the country, ranking below recent immigrants, Muslims, and gays. Which we've talked about in the past about the presidential polling. Would you, that someone who is atheist is the least trusted group? Yeah, exactly. The suit goes on to say that while plaintiffs recognize that the child has the right to refuse participation in the flag exercise, the child does not wish to be excluded from it and, in fact, wants to be able to participate in an exercise that does not portray other religious groups as first-class citizens and his own as a second class. And, I mean, I'm kind of torn on this because when I was in school, um... My senior year, I stopped saying under God. I would stand and I would recite the pledge, but I would not say under God because I had started to lose my religious beliefs. And I didn't feel discriminated against. I didn't feel like an outsider. I just... Yeah, but that's high school. I don't even remember saying the pledge in high school. I think... Well, that's what this is. This is within. We're talking about kids. We're talking about school. Sure, but I think elementary in that age, where you're far more impressionable, where you're really developing your beliefs, and to have God be beaten over your head, whether you want to believe it or not, if every day you're forced to repeat this mantra, and that's what it is, it's 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 a re- recitation. You're saying it over and over. That's what reciting something is. That you you pledge allegiance to this country. One nation under God. That's that's not what this is. And if when this document or when this chant was first written by a Baptist minister, if under God wasn't that important to him at the time who was a Baptist minister, why is it so important today? It's, it's not important. We are not a nation. We're not a theo- – we don't live in a theocracy. We don't live in a nation – that is beholden to the church whether whether you want it to be that or not we are not it is not that case and we shouldn't force it on children because your god might not be that their god yeah that's a good point especially if you don't have a god yeah i wasn't i wasn't thinking about super young kids because i i guess i didn't remember either and i remember saying it as a little kid oh really like in in elementary school and that's Listen, there's a, I don't care if we have God in, on our money and God we trust. I don't really care. I mean, I, I don't care. I think realistically relative to the budget and how much it would cost to change all of our money, it's kind of problematic. So leave it. Fuck, I don't care. But this is, this is something that actively you're making kids feel excluded if they don't do. And that's wrong. Yeah, I love the way this article was written, by the way. This part, an attorney for the American Humanist Association declined to provide any information about the family, including what school the child attends and what grade he or she is in. Quote, anonymity is very important, he said, explaining that families involved in these types of lawsuits often are exposed to, quote, great hostility. In fact, the suit alleges that the child in question, quote, has been personally confronted and shouted at in response to his openly identifying as an atheist. When questioned, the attorney would not say whether the child was actually confronted in school or by whom the child was confronted. 
Yeah, because he's going to tell us which child is bullying right. the kid in the lawsuit. Why Why was that written in this article? It's clearly a slant. It's not – they should just stick to the facts because the facts went out. The facts don't need all these weird argument elements employed. You don't need to, to try to have strategy with how you do it. Just tell the truth. Put it out there because the truth will win out. Yeah. The lawsuit claims the practice of using the words under God is in violation of the Equal Protection Clause of the New Jersey Constitution, which states, No person shall be denied the enjoyment of any civil or military right, nor be discriminated against in the exercise of any civil or military right, nor be segregated in the militia or in the public schools because of religious principles, race, color, ancestry or national origin that's it right there you you cannot be segregated based on that so if you're having to leave the class because you're not going to say the pledge that's that's segregation you're being segregated seems pretty clear-cut i think that the the new jersey supreme court if it makes it that far will probably rule the right way and it won't make it to the it won't it won't make it to the, the federal supreme court which is a bummer because it would be nice to have this thing settled once and for all. There's a similar case going on right now in the Massachusetts Supreme Court, or they're considering a similar issue in a suit as well. And I liked this quote from the article. It's not the place of the state governments to take a position on God belief. The current pledge practices marginalize atheists and humanist kids as something less than ideal patriots merely because they don't believe in the nation under God. Because they're tying the two together. Yeah, it's the main problem I had after 9-11 and I was ready to go back into the Marine Corps after 9-11. It was I was very fired up and it was if you don't agree with George W. Bush's stance on Iraq, then you're not you hate America. You're not a patriot. And that's bullshit. What makes America so great and so strong is that so many people disagree and that disagreement is okay. Yeah, for sure. We're able to embrace our differences because that is what makes us stronger. It's not North Korea. Everybody lives the same way. Every male has to have the same fucking haircut. This is America where we can all be different and share our different experiences to better our nation. Yeah, I loved something I saw someone share on social media about this lawsuit and they shared, you know, just the news article of, of the lawsuit. And then they said, shut up, minority. God damn. And I read it and I, I did laugh because I thought, how many times has someone who's in the right been in the minority? That happens all the time. So for someone yeah. to say, shut up, minority. Hey, guess what? The majority isn't always right. Well, and the majority's not always doesn't doesn't remain the majority for long. Yeah. So. Keep your mouth shut because sooner or later, it's, you know, I, the company, there was a company I worked for. I told a buddy of mine, be careful in this company who you're shitty to because they might end up being your boss. And it's along the same lines that be careful guy in the majority who's lipping off. You might not always be in the majority and that day's not going to be good for you because the other side will remember, (laughs) which is the same you know, it's a lesson for politicians that these short-sighted morons never seem to ever remember that Republicans, they treat Democrats shitty while they're in the majority. 
while the Republicans are in the majority, they treat the minority shitty. And then as soon as the Republicans, the tables flip and they're in the minority, then they scream and cry about how the Democrats are treating them unfairly. It's, goddamn, if you just be decent to one another all the time, you won't have these problems. Yeah, I love the quote that Christopher Hitchens has on this issue when he talks about free speech. He says, don't take refuge in the false security of consensus and the feeling that whatever you think, you're bound to be okay because you're safely in the moral majority. Yeah, awesome. Don't take refuge in the false security of consensus. Yeah. Just because everyone around you agrees, it doesn't mean that you're right. Yeah, you should calm down. Always be checking yourself and your ideologies and what your motivations are. It's couldn't be any better said than Chris Speaking Richards. of someone who needs to do that. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Alicia Silverstone needs to check herself. Before but she wrecks herself. <laughs> waka, 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 waka. Oh, we got one for you. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, she's, um, I don't want to say she's a terrible person. She's just super, super dumb. And she feels like her opinion is so weighty and so valid that she's discounting Hundreds of years of scientific research and experts. She's a regular Jenny McCarthy, Kristen Cavallari, except for she's far more goofy and yeah, weird. Yeah, yeah. Maybe that's it. She's just super goofy. But she's selling books and people are listening. She's using her celebrity in a, in a very bad way. She just wrote a book, The Kind Mama, A Simple Guide to Supercharged Fertility, A Radiant Pregnancy, A Sweeter Birth. And a healthier, more beautiful beginning. That's just the title. Mm. Cuckoo. Cuckoo. And I would like Cuckoo. to remind everybody, Alicia Silverstone was in the news uh, for being a crazy mom because she was doing that thing where she was chewing her food for her baby and then putting it in his mouth. Pre-chewing, she called it. He was 11 months old, and she would chew his food for him. Two years ago. And then spit it in his mouth for him to eat. Yeah. And, well, her baby her baby named Bear. Yes, named Bear. Yeah, she's like another, a bear. She's another, who'd you mention? Who was the first one? Gwyneth Paltrow, who named her kid Apple and Moses. Apple and Moses. <laughs> Cuckoo. Fantastic. So Silverstone's book will... Quote, show you the way to have luminous, present, ailment-free pregnancy. You know, you got to give her... Anybody who had contact with Steven Tyler Seaman is bound to end up a little nutty. Yes, that's probably true. Wait, how did she? Um, well, I don't... Through that music video? Yeah, I don't know that she actually had sexual contact with him, but he's creeper enough that... The video is pretty creepy, and she was like 15 when she filmed it. So I'm just assuming that there's like a, it's like pig pen on the peanuts. There's just a cloud of semen flakes floating around Steven Tyler oh, all God. the time. Yeah, <laughs> that, that's probably right. I can't, just for the record, before we go on, I have tried to find her educational background. Yeah, there, none. I've had great difficulty with that. So if someone finds something, let me know. But as far as I can tell, I, I don't see anything. I'm not making this claim, but it would not surprise me if she actually didn't go to high school because she was a child actor. Yeah. And a lot of them, they get, quote unquote, tutored, but they don't they don't go to conventional high schools. Yeah. 
So we're going to be talking about her book, The Kind Mama. Mm-hmm. And this Daily Beast article that I have here really sums up a lot of the best points in the book. Yeah. They did, so, he did a, whoever wrote it did a really good job. So one of the first pieces of advice that wildly educated Alicia Silverstone imparts upon her readers is that meat, dairy, and processed foods track toxic sludge through your uterus. That's right. Facts. She calls your uterus the baby house. <laughs> and she... She, won- she wonders... She wonders, how does one maintain a baby house? Well, quote, meat, dairy, and processed foods should be avoided because they are tracking the toxic sludge through your baby house. Toxic sludge. What does that even mean? I love that meat and dairy, but she's also a very big proponent of breastfeeding. I don't know if she knows, but that's dairy. That's milk. Yeah. So are, is she tracking through her baby's system, toxic sludge? Well, I love how she's saying meat, dairy, and processed foods. There's clearly a huge nutritional difference between meat and dairy and then and, processed foods. And processed food, for sure. So you can tell she's a vegan. She ha- she's, strict, she's strictly vegan. Yeah. And that's why she has this p- piece of advice for everybody. Nutter. Her second important piece of advice also has to do with diet. While you are pregnant, so you can have the best baby possible. Eating plants means you won't need medicine. (laughs) I love it. She writes, quote, Eating plants means not only boosting the odds of conceiving, but also setting the stage for a transcendent pregnancy, a smoother birth, a healthier baby, and long-term protection from almost every disease there is. Wow. Bold claims. So, hey, all you infertile ladies out there, you're just not eating enough greens. Yeah. Broccoli is going to, you're going to be squeezing out the kids left and right. Yeah. Don't cry over the fact that you'll never be able to have a baby. Just eat some celery. Endometriosis? Hey, iceberg lettuce. That'll do ya. Not a problem for Alicia Silverstone. Yeah. So she can't relate. It's awesome that she's talking about how fer- how it's going to keep you fertile. She has one kid, so yeah, she's not exactly setting records. She goes on to talk about kind foods, plant-based foods, saying that women can, quote, supercharge their fertility, reduce their likelihood of miscarriage, infuse breast milk with all kinds of nutrient goodness that makes your kids smart and healthy and help stave off diseases like cancer, heart disease, and diabetes. Some of that is true. For sure some of that's true. Yeah, because it's healthy. But it's not, it's not snake oil. It's not, it's not a cure-all. It's not a magic potion. Yeah, it's not going to give you protection from almost every disease there is. Well, it's certainly breast milk, with she talks about, Saying that it, it has an almost otherworldly power. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> come on, otherworldly. Is she talking about Mars or Venus? What other world is she talking about? Yeah, it's it's kind of strange. She does talk about breast milk, and she says, aside from giving your baby every single health advantage there is at mealtime, breast milk is also the ultimate cure all for almost every ailment that might come up in a b- baby's early days. It's a cure all. For 
almost everything. So again, you mothers that choose not to breastfeed or women that can't. Right. It's basically child abuse. Yeah, you're abusing your child. Thanks a lot. Tearing down America. (laughs) One baby at a time. So her next piece of advice, I know you can't wait because you're learning so much and you're about to go be a parent right now just because of this awesome stuff you're learning. She also says that depression is something that she knows how to cure. She is a genius of the ages. I mean, she's not saying she knows how to cure it. I'm being hyperbolic, but she says, though it is less common among kind mamas, some women experience the blues after giving birth. If you want to prevent crippling postpartum depression, just avoid eating certain foods, including processed sugars, which, quote, make us feel imbalanced. I heard her, and I should have gotten this clip, I heard her talking in an interview where she talked about having her placenta put in pill form so she could take these placenta pills and how it just energized her and made her feel so much better. Unbelievable. Kooky and weird. Yeah. And that's also eating meat. So I hope they gave, <laughs> I hope they gave her a placebo. And then she, someone can tell her that that was a placebo. She doesn't need a placebo. She needs whatever antipsychotic medicine you mentioned on the last episode. She needs... Haldol. It was something... Habalabadol or something. Well, Haldol is the short name, but uh, Halperidol. Oh, Haliperidol. Yeah. She needs a bucket of Haliperidol. Yeah. Well, well she maybe also, not a bucket, just like a couple. She also uh, admonishes women against where uh, using tampons. Which, yes, she believes that tampons make you infertile. It's so weird because in the... Well, go ahead and read the quotes because I have sh- I want to shit on her about it. Quote, your chi-chi is the most absorbent part of your body. That's... Un- hang on. Hang on. I, I, can't, I can't wait. If... Who is taking advice about health, matters of health, matters that are very important... Chi-chi? From a woman who can't even use the word vagina. Chi-chi? She, she goes on and calls it the hoo-ha also in, in the same section. It's, it's not a hoo-ha, and it's not a chi-chi. It's a vagina. And calling the vagina the most absorbent part of your body, your vagina isn't a roll of bounty paper towels. It's it, you're the most absorbent. What you? Well, I'm just wondering what she means by that, because I've never gone to, like, I've never, you know gone into the bathroom and then done my biz tried to find my tampon and it was just absorbed right into my chi chi <laughs> so chi-chi. how absorbent is she trying to say that it is because the tampon doesn't disappear well every commercial i've ever seen for a woman tampon commercials they don't the what they use for the absorbent where they pour in the blue liquid all over yeah. it's always the pad yeah which i've always thought was gross yeah, no one wants to see that. Because you're sitting... Oh, I'm talking about the, your pad. It's that Those commercials are goofy and gross. Yeah, I'm saying no is. one wants to see those commercials. Yeah, that's weird. Well, it also just illustrates, especially to men, that you're just <laughs> sitting on a... That's why I don't understand why she's saying stop using tampons. What is the alternative? There is no other alternative. Yeah, okay? it's gross and bizarre she goes on to say unfortunately feminine care manufacturers aren't required to tell you what's in their products which means that no one's talking about the potential pesticide residues potential pesticide residues she says potential right 
from non-organic cotton and the fragrances containing hormone-upsetting, fertility-knocking. She's saying that those things are snuggling. She uses the term snuggling up to your hoo-ha. So ladies out there, you can take some advice from Dr. Jesse. Don't use tampons because you don't want them toxins snuggling up to your hoo-ha. I just love the way that she talks from her hormone upsetting, fertility knocking, and the title of her book that just has a m- million words in it. Right. She, well, it's it's trying to wow you with her. She talks about transcendent pregnancies. Yeah. <laughs> what the fuck? So if you aren't already convinced that she has some problems upstairs, she believes that babies should leave their business in the grass. That means shit and piss outside. She, she's against... She believes that there's some vast conspiracy with the diaper manufacturer. She calls it pseudoscience, diapers. <laughs> Listen, there's just because you use the words that are that are legitimate words, pseudoscience, doesn't mean that you're right. It doesn't mean you're accurate in the manner with which you're using them. Yeah, exactly. It's completely and utterly ridiculous. She says that her child was potty trained at six months. Bullshit. She says that it was a process that involved learning to read his facial expressions and other cues about his needing to poop or pee. So is she just following the kid around, looking deep into his, his eyes, looking into his face constantly? She says, quote, when Bear looked like he was flirting with me, smiling sweetly, or looking deep into my eyes, he'd be peeing. Wow. She also says another signal was when he would stare off into space for a second. For a second. So anytime the baby is being a baby is when he could possibly (laughs) be peeing or pooping. I actually think that might be the right answer. Staring off into space, smiling sweetly, looking deep into your eyes. He's just being a baby. Right, right. Well, anytime he looked menacingly like he wanted to murder the cat, I knew he had to take a dump. Uh, she assures her readers that it's not all just guesswork. If you're really in tune with your maternal instincts, then you too may start referring to yourself as a potty whisperer. No, thanks. Mm. I'm a potty whisperer, but it's with myself. (laughs) I always know when I have to poop. Thankfully. Mainly because I always have to poop. Yeah, that's a bad time. A lot. She says that babies are... No, really. A lot. Okay, we know. (laughs) She says that babies are much more content leaving their business in the grass than having to sleep and eat accompanied by their own pee and poop. They're babies. So what does she do at night? Does He's going to end up sleeping with his own pee and poop at night. Well, we'll get to that in a second because she is an advocate of having babies sleep in bed with her. But before that, let's talk about her stance on vaccines. She oh, is yeah. very pro-vaccine. I, I bet. She sounds, <laughs> she sounds like someone who would be an, a champion and an advocate for vaccinations. She asked that Bear get a double dose of all vaccines. <laughs> That's something that she wanted. But she calls them vivos. Yeah. So... She says that there is increasing anecdotal evidence from doctors who have... Because, you know, doctors and scientists, that's the kind of evidence that they really traffic in. The anecdotal kind. It's not empirical evidence and data. It's anecdotal. Yeah, so she's saying there is increasing... There is increasing anecdotal evidence from doctors who have gotten distressed phone calls from parents claiming their child was 
never the same after receiving a vaccine. And I personally have friends whose babies are drastically affected in this way. And I love how this article says, anecdotal evidence from friends, case closed. Yeah, absolutely. We can shut the book on this one. Wait, I know people that have personally experienced that. That must be the situation for everybody. <laughs> I'm going to adopt this as an opinion. Well, it's... I mean, a fact. Pretty, pretty, pretty typical. Yeah, so she, like we talked about, she is an advocate of having the baby sleep in bed, in the family bed, she says. And she says, forcing your helpless baby to sleep, quote, in a barred-in box completely alone, a crib... Right. May well amount to child neglect. Sharing a bed with baby means you can tune in better to her needs, which in turn builds trust and security. She essentially believes the worst thing you can do is to leave a baby to cry it out, self-soothe, or otherwise independently take care of themselves before they're ready. So if you let your baby cry, abuse. Abuse. You're a terrible parent. You're a filthy, dirty child abuser. Who is ruining America. So her final amazing piece of advice. That is just perfect. Having a baby is pretty easy. Silverstone writes. Quote. Eat well. Get healthy. Then ditch all the planning and trying. And just let it flow. There's no better way to make a baby. Than with yummy soulful sex. You hear that all you people who can't get pregnant. Yeah. You're Just not, have some soulful sex. Your sex is not soulful enough if you're not having babies. It is not yummy enough. There she goes with her words again. Yummy, soulful sex. She <laughs> she, she knows she has critics. She gets interviewed everywhere. And they any interviewer worth their salt asks her, you know, how do you respond to your critics? And again, going back to anecdotal evidence, she responds... As far as critics, um, you know, I'm very secure in the choices I make because I'm really informed and I trust my instincts. And when I need help, I go to the people that inspire me, the people that I saw parent or birth or be pregnant in a way that was really inspiring to me. So that's who I turn to. And the rest, it's just noise. The rest is just noise. Who she turns to? Mothers who've had babies, friends that she respects. She doesn't turn to doctors. She doesn't turn to science. She turns to people who have had babies because they know. Well, and I love that she just avoids people who contradict what she's saying rather than trying to accept all information and not just doing this thing where she's only accepting the information that confirms what she believes. Absolutely. Classic. It is classic. It's just embarrassing to admit that. Right. Don't, don't challenge yourself intellectually to maybe check yourself that you're possibly on the right wrong track don't get any hard data and empirical evidence just throw throw tarot cards up in the up in the sky and see what lands on the ground and that's what you do yeah i'm pretty much terrified of her so <laughs> i yeah. hope she knows that well be afraid because she's probably going to run for office here in california oh god yeah they they all get the the political bug and she's just nutty enough to think that she could win. Yeah. And California's just nutty enough to have her get elected. Hopefully not. <laughs> I mean, we had Arnold Schwarzenegger as a governor for many years. Yes, indeed. But it's clear she just doesn't trust doctors. Yeah. She doesn't trust evidence. She doesn't trust science. Well, maybe we should all be thinking twice about whether or not we trust doctors after this latest. <laughs> the lawsuit? Yeah, the lawsuit. 
So what do doctors chat about after you've gone under an anesthesia? I always wonder about this. Every time I'm getting ready to be put under. Do you think they're just like reviewing medical material to freshen up on their skills while they're performing their surgery? Or what do you think? No. Well, I've, I've had I've had a tonsillectomy. I've had an appendectomy. And I've had shoulder surgery. So I've been put under three times. Yeah. And every single time I've been put under, I've wondered, are they going to be... You woke up with a sore beehole? No, 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 no. That happened later. Oh, okay. But that was on, <laughs> that was on a camping trip. We haven't gotten to that story yet. Uh, we, I always wonder what the hell, it, because are they going to be, you, you know that commercial where it's like the kayak.com commercial? And the brain surgeon's got the guy. Oh, yeah. And he's poking and his in his brain. And, he's, and yeah. the guy's typing. I always think they're going to be, like, putting me in, like, action figure positions. And I don't know. It's my paranoia. But I think that might be your narcissism, actually. <laughs> they're putting me in superhero positions. No, actually, you. you know, like, just they're putting me in weird. I know after my shoulder surgery, they I was sore. And they told me the reason you're going to be sore is because we had to position you in a weird way once we cut you. So, yeah, but anyway, uh, <laughs> yeah, well, after this lawsuit in Virginia, we, we may all be terrified to know what goes on. You no know shit. A colonoscopy patient in Virginia says he used his cell phone to record instructions given to him prior to his April 18th procedure and accidentally left it on and recording during his procedure. So he was a colonoscopy patient. So he did wake up with a sore beehole. Yes, exactly. Mm. DB, as the patient is named, in... <laughs> wow. Yeah. No one inquired about what DB meant when I called myself a DB on that one podcast, remember? Well. I guess they don't care. That's fine. <laughs> so DB says doctors mocked him relentlessly. Here's just a couple of things that happened. It, it is beautiful. So listen up, everybody. Dr. Tiffany Ingham is heard saying to the unconscious patient, quote, and really, after five minutes of talking to you in the pre-op, I wanted to punch you in the face and man you up a little bit. <laughs> wow. Well, he might need to be manned up a little bit if he can't even give his real name. I am shocked that a doctor performing a colonoscopy would do this. Kind of freaky. She went on to call him a big wimp and a retard. <laughs> she also joked about firing a gun up his rectum. Wow, well, at least we know she's a gun rights gal. She's not tearing down America. She made fun of his <laughs> alma mater, Mary Washington College, <laughs> and threatened to falsely note on his chart that he had hemorrhoids. Oh, what a slur. That is, that is libel right there. <laughs> the medical team joked about a rash on the patient's penis, speculating it might be syphilis. Good Lord. Then the doctor said, quote, it's probably tuberculosis in the penis, so you'll be all right. <laughs> He's got the Doc Holiday disease right in his dick. The doctors also strategized about how to avoid him after surgery. <laughs> the Fairfax County patient is suing for $1.35 million in damages. Does it say under what grounds? Because that's, that's a lot of money to just be called a name. If I had 1.35... He was called more than a name. She was going to fire a gun up his rectum. Listen, if I had $1.35 million for every single time someone said something shitty to me, I would have a lot of millions of dollars. That would be wildly, just wildly upsetting to wake up... For sure. ...and hear a recording of the doctors that 
just had your life in their hands. Well, and they're supposed to be caring for you. I mean, all jokes aside, and there are so many, but <laughs> these are doctors who are supposed to be caring for you. Yeah. Do no harm is the Hippocratic Oath. That's what they Yeah. And they're clearly not doing no harm. They're being dicks. Yeah, they're being really mean. And it sounds like he's not man enough to really tell him, hey, you're being a dick. He's me. Well, my name's DB. He's he's suing them, so he's taking care of biz. Yeah, he's, he's taking care of biz. Well, everybody, think about it. Next time you're going under the gun, under the knife, under the well, you might be going under the gun next time you're going under the knife. You wake up with a strange hole in your beehole, and it's shaped like a bullet. That might be a problem. So we're going to wrap it up. It's going to be good when we wrap it up. Yeah, it is. So listen, if you're on Twitter, get out there and follow us on Twitter. And every time I post a new show, uh, a tweet gets sent out telling you, hey, there's a show. Why don't you do me a little favor and retweet that tweet and let's spread the word. Tell your friends, tell your neighbors, tell your family, tell your pastor to listen to the show. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Tell him to call in. (laughs) Speaking of calling in, 657-464-7609. Rate and review on iTunes. I'm Jesse Dollimore. Across from me is Brittany Page. See ya. This is I Doubt It. Son of a bitch, bitch, son of a bitch, bitch, son of a bitch, 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 gun. <laughs> you thought I was gonna say a, a son of a bitch, didn't you? <laughs>